I want to talk about, <laughs> I want to talk about um, overcoming fear, fear of failure. Because all of us, we go through failure because that's part of growth. So we have, in order for us to grow, we have to overcome fear of failure. So I want to go to a passage in John, John 21, verse 2 to 4. And we're going to study that passage together and more. John 21, verse 2 to 4. 요한복음 21장 2절에서 4절까지 같이 보시겠습니다. John 21, verse 2 to 4. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we know you're standing here with us. So I pray that you'll open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds, and open our hearts so that we may recognize you, see you, hear from you, and believe you. For your presence is better than anything, and your glory is what we yearn for. So have your way and be glorified, even through this word. I always pray, Lord, that it is not the wisdom of men that we want to be seen, we want to see or be demonstrated, but rather the power and the demonstration of the Spirit because we know that's the only way that we truly change. Your glory changes us and it changes everything. And that's what we want. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Failure is necessary for growth. There's no other way around it. Failure is a must if you really want to grow. John Orberg was one of the pastors who has an amazing gift of communication. He's just an amazing communicator and preacher. And he shares about his first two moments of preaching, first two experiences of failing. His pastor, his mentor told him, hey, I want you to grow, I want you to preach. Invited him to preach, so he went up to the pulpit to preach. He was about five minutes into the preaching session and he began to feel dizzy and he began to feel weak and he just dead fainted on the pulpit. For the next year, he didn't preach. It was a good thing because he fainted after five minutes. And when a preacher faints after five minutes, it's kind of, I don't know, scary for a lot of people too. So they're trying to keep making sure that, you know, he's trained. So a year passes by and he stands in the pulpit again. And five minutes into the preaching, again, he starts to feel weak. And then he faints again. And this is what he said. I always felt like I was called to preach. But in that moment, I didn't know if I was truly called to preach because who wants to listen to a preacher who faints after five minutes? Because the best compliment will be like, Pastor, that was so good. You didn't faint today. Praise God. (laughs) That's a starting point, but that's not the goal. So he was saying, I don't know if I should, if I'm qualified to preach, but his mentor told him, I want you to keep preaching. Maybe next time it will be 10 minutes or 11 minutes. Because failure is necessary for growth. Um, Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, said this. It was very interesting. He said when he was forming Amazon and the ideas with his team, he said formation of that idea was just simply messy. He didn't have a clarity in where Amazon was supposed to go. He said it was just messy. He was confused all the time. And he shared this story too. Did you know that YouTube was first created as a dating site? And it failed. Yes, YouTube was a dating site. Google it when you get home, or don't Google it now. 
but Google it when you get home. It was a dating site, and it failed. It talks about how, many, how so many of his ideas simply just failed. And he said, what you need to realize is just any organization, failure is required. Or rather, we can say that failure is required for all of us because growth is messy in itself. And you and I know that naturally as well. Can I show you a couple of pictures or a few pictures? Can you throw up the first picture on the screen? This is going to be a picture of, yep, oh, do you not have it? Or, oh, you didn't get it? Okay. Now you got to use your holy imagination <laughs> of a child eating his spaghetti for the first time. That's a messy picture, isn't it? If you're thinking of a child who's perfectly dressed with a white shirt that is clean, that child is Jesus Christ himself. Every other child made a big mess as he or she was eating. Don't make me go into potty training. That's a whole new mess in a whole new level, isn't it? But in order for a child to learn to eat properly or go mm-mm properly, you know they have to go through failures and messes. But would you tell your child, why can, why can you eat your spaghetti properly? Can you come out of the womb birth in potty training? Would you ever say that to a child? You never. You think that it's so normal that they make a mess and the part of growth that they're going through. We have baptism tonight. Oh boy, they're going to make a mess. But we love you guys. Because that's part of growth. Because all of us made a mess here and there. Meth. Mess. Not meth, because that would be wrong. That's a whole new... Oh Lord. Mm, that TV show messed me up. If you know what I'm talking about, you need more repentance, and I need more repentance as well. Oh, man. Because growth is messy. It is just messy. But however, Jesus Christ himself, he redeems our failures. That's the gospel. We see Jesus redeeming failures that Peter had. I want, we want to study Peter a little bit over and over and over and over. Christ himself redeems our failures, and he repeats that. We go to Matthew 15. If you want to turn there with me, it'll be great. I'm going to read verse 15 and 16, and we'll find six of failures. We could study a lot more that Peter made, but six different failures. This is what Peter went through. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And Jesus Christ himself, he said, and he said, are you also still without understanding? This is failure of understanding. What this sounds like to you and me, that failure, that fear of failure in that matter is this, I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. I didn't get the grade at school. 저는 똑똑하지 못해요. 라고 느끼는 것첫 번째 두려움입니다. This is the fear that all of us go through. I'm not smart enough. I don't understand that parable that Jesus just gave. How many times have you said under Pastor Brad and he'll be preaching and you have no idea what he's talking about because I'm not smart enough and you are not smart enough. I don't know the word that he just spoke. Actually, the last 10 words that he spoke because sometimes he would use the word and I'm, I'm like, I went to college for it, but I, I don't know the word that he's using at all. Maybe it's the generational difference or maybe I'm not smart enough and I just go, I'm not smart enough. We all go through that. I'm not smart enough. He seems to, she seems to know a lot of the Bible, a lot about the Bible and Jesus Christ and everything. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough Bible. I don't understand it enough. Second fear of failure is failure, which is a misunderstanding. 
It's a misunderstanding. Matthew 16, 11 says this. How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leavens of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Peter and the disciples fail to fully understand. And this is the difference between the second, the passage that we read in, in, in Matthew 6, 15 to this. Peter had sent, said, said something to say about it. So he had something say to about it, say about it, but it was just wrong. 두 번째 두려움은 틀림에 대한 두려움이에요. Peter is saying things, but it's wrong. How many times have you stopped preaching the gospel or sharing the word because you were afraid that you were going to be wrong? That fear of failing, being incorrect. What if I look stupid when I say it? What if I'm just wrong? What if I heard God wrong? Feel fear of failure. And the next fa- fear is this fear of failing to continue. Matthew 14, 29 to 30 says this. He said, come. This is Peter walking on the water. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Yeah, things are going well right now. But what if I can't keep this up? That's what it sounds like. 세 번째 두려움은 내가 갖고 있는 것을 지속하지 못할 것에 대한 두려움이에요. You feel like you're not going to be strong enough to continue what's been going on right now. If things are going well, that's not the fear factor. The fear factor right now is what if I cannot continue this? What if it goes wrong? Last time it was great. Last date was awesome. What if she hates me now? What if he leaves me now? The next fear is fear of failure in ambitions. Or motivations. Peter was filled with selfish ambitions in Mark 9, 10, and Luke 22. Luke 22, 24 argues with each other disciples saying, which one of us is the greatest? This fear sounds like this. Man, I hope they don't really find out who I really am. I hope he or she doesn't see me through because my motivation, my private sin that no one really seems, seems to see Man, that is dark. I don't want to go there. I hope no one finds about that, what I'm really truly going for. Peter made all these failures. Let me do, let's do one more. Matthew 16, 22 to 23. A failure of having a wrong vision and a wrong spirit. Matthew 16, 22. And Peter took him, Jesus, aside and began to rebuke him. You know you're in a bad place once you're rebuking Jesus Christ saying far be it far be it from you far, far far be it from you lord this shall never happen to you peter disagrees with the vision that jesus had about him on the cross and then furthermore he says this but he turned and said to peter get behind me satan you're a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of god but on the things of man wrong spirit Man, you and I, as you, as you and I walk in the spirit, don't we have that fear? What if I say out of the wrong spirit? What if that wasn't the spirit of God? Yeah, of course we should never say that if it's not from the spirit of God, but we're not perfect, so we might fail that here and there. Do you know how many times preachers go home at night and in the evening they go like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Man, that was wrong. Why, why did I say that? I could have said that better. And you all go through that in a different way too, right? As you're talking to your neighbor or you're having the conversation with your spouse or your children. Why did I say it that way? I didn't mean it that way. It came out wrong. It was out of the wrong spirit. 
And you have, you're afraid that what if it comes out again? And you cannot correct anyone now. You cannot speak the truth anymore because you're afraid that what if I say it out of the wrong spirit? Fear of having the wrong spirit. And the next one is kind of funnier that you and I can relate even better. Matthew 26, 40. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he, found, he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? He fell asleep during a prayer meeting. Hey, just honest tea time, family. How many of you have fallen asleep while praying? Come on. I'm raising my, both of my hands. Praise God. Pastor Brett, thank you so much. You have no idea how encouraging that is for everyone. Mm-mm. I got all the encouragement that I need. Peter fell asleep in a prayer meeting with Jesus Christ himself. You know what that sounds like for you and us? Is that fear of that voice. Man, I can't pray like him. I can't pray like her. I don't have that prayer life, so I can't do that. I can't, I cannot, man, I can't take that class. I can't serve in that way because I can't pray like him. I can't pray like her. Lastly, the failure, the ultimate failure is denying Jesus Christ himself. Matthew 26, 74, then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crawled. Maybe you and I had that experience of denying Christ or acting like you don't know Christ. You're having that lunch in that cafeteria and you know you usually pray before you eat. But you pretended like you were just tying your shoelace. Thank you for, in Jesus' name, amen. Lord, you understand. You start eating. It could be subtle sometimes, but we've done that, denying Christ. Or maybe some of you left church and you just came back and you're still feeling guilty for it. What if I go back to that place of not coming out to church again because I know that was wrong and I don't want to go back, but you have a fear in your heart. What if I go back to my old life? That fear of repetition. And that's where we find Peter in in John John 21, 3 and 4. This is what Peter said. I'm going to fish, Simon Peter told them. He's saying, I'm just going to go back to the old life before Jesus and before resurrection because that feels comfortable. And they said, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. So double failure. They left the team. He left the team. Peter left the team. And then furthermore, he failed one more time at fishing. But verse 4, this is what it says early in the morning. Jesus, our Lord, stood on the shore, and the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus redeems our failures over and over and over and over and over and over again. That's how he disciples us. That's how he loves us. We fail over and over. Yeah, all the things that you're afraid about right now, all the failure that we just read in the scripture, yeah, you and I will go through that. You went through it. And we will run into that fear of what if I fail? Yes. But if that fear is holding you back, you're resisting your growth. If you're held back, if you're chained back by the fear of failure because you want to be perfect, then you're not leaning on the cross of Jesus Christ to perfect you because the gospel wants to perfect you and sanctify you. You're not letting the gospel do its work because you want to be perfect before God. Because you want to work, you want to work and you want to earn it. You want your merit to be your credit. Is that where we started? 
If not, why do we go back to fishing? Let's move forward in the grace of God. Yeah, you and I will fail. We will fail. But that's okay. You know, in 1930, San Francisco, they were building the Gordon Gate Bridge. And it's known still now, that bay is known for high wind and high water. So when the workers were working on it, they were all afraid of the wind and the water because they didn't have a safety net or anything. They didn't have a safety line. So what they found is that in, in average, they would have 30 to 60 workers fall into the water and few of them would pass away. It wasn't a safe environment. But they wanted to keep the work going. So you know what they did was they, they made a safety net beneath them as we were working. It took more work and it took more time, but this is what they found out. After that, only one to two person fell to the safety net. This is the weird thing. When we find the gospel of Jesus Christ, the safety net that whenever we fail, he's going to catch us anyway, we, don't, we are going to fall less. Because the fear itself is what it's catching you. It's the fear. It's not the failure. It's the fear of failure that's holding you back and holding me back. If you find that safety and assurance of hope, man, even if I fail, his grace is enough for me. Even if I fail, he's going to catch me. I got a safety net that is stronger, that is firmer, that is more faithful than anyone or anything I know of the earth. Once we have the safety net, you'll find yourself falling less. It is not us, you and I, are acting more perfectly, but it's more of us trusting more in his perfect and goodness. That's what we need to do. Man, he's going to catch us. He's faithful. And then you feel your shoulders drop and relax a little bit. Okay. I'm allowed to fail. I'm allowed to fail. Let's walk in my gifting. Let me try that. Let me try serving. Let me start loving more. Let me see how it works out. Yeah, that means it's scary. It's high water, high wind, but you got a safety net, and you're safe. Church, family, you and I, we're safe. Some of you walked in this evening, you felt like you're failing. Last night was a bad night. Last weekend was a bad weekend. And you're just trying to recover, and the Lord is saying, I know I see you, but I still love you. You might let go of me, but I never let go of you. You might fall, but I always catch you. It's always about Christ. It's never about us because that is what sanctification is. You know, once we understand this, let's take this deeper. Our discipleship changes. How we disciple people changes. It changes this. Let's define this. Discipleship in itself is restoring people from failures. Discipleship itself is restoring people from failures. Proverbs 14.4, where there is no oxen, the manger is empty. But from the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest. So, okay, there's a manger and there's an ox. If you have an ox, what does it do? It makes a mess. It's not potty trained. It will just go. It doesn't shower itself. It will smell. However, if you don't have an oxen in the manger, you're not going to have abundant harvest either. So as you and I mentor and disciple people, your discipleship now changes and shifts. You're not trying to create a perfect environment. You're saying, you know what? You may fail, but I got you, and I'm going to restore you because that's what Christ did for me. That's how he discipled me, just like how he's discipling Peter right here. So that's how we're going to disciple within the body of Jesus Christ. We're not saying, why did you fail? No, let's talk about why you failed. 
And how can we avoid and how can we grow out of that? Because God means growth out of this. It's not condemnation, but say, let me give you a loving correction. This is what you should do next time. This is what we could, this is how we could work this out together. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the gospel of Jesus Christ moves in our discipleship, there's safety. And in that safety, you grow like never before. Isn't it true for your children as well? Because parents, don't you feel this way? Just like Peter, what if my kid is not smart enough? What if my kid says the wrong thing? What if my kid can't keep it up? What if my kid is selfish? What if he has a wrong vision? What if he operates out of the wrong spirit? What if he can't pray? What if he denies the Lord and leaves Jesus Christ? And you are operating out of fear of failure for your child. You cannot love in that way. Because you will always, hear me, operate in legalism when you're led by the fear of failure. But when you are operating in the grace of God, the power of God, not might, not strength, but the spirit of God, start to operate in that child in a way that only spirit of God himself can lead. So let's move away from failure, for fear of failure, and let's strive and move forward into growth. I want to go one step deeper, and because we have baptism, we want to give enough time for them to. Um, when we are afraid of failing, please hear me, we cannot have genuine love. If we are filled with fear of failing, we cannot have abundant love. We're going to fail to love. Please hear me. Because when we love people, there's always risk of getting rejected and risk of that failing, that relationship failing. If you want love, you got to overcome that fear of failure because any relationship has uncertainties. That's the nature of a relationship and love. I'll, I'll give you an example like this. I made this weird example, and you'll hear it go like, that is a little weird, but it's going to make sense, okay? So say, say, okay, to say there's a beautiful girl and beautiful lady, 20 years old, 21 years old, and, and she, she's attending college. And um, one day, she's coming back from George Mason, and she finds a weird, creepy guy looking at her. And she's like, okay. Maybe it's nothing, and she goes home. The next day, she's coming back from work, and she finds the same guy staring at her again. And he smiles creepishly. <laughs> I don't know what that like. I'm not creepy, so I can't do it, but he's doing it. I'm not. And the next day, and the next day, he's always there. And on the seventh day, as, he, as you're coming back, and it's late at night, you find a van parked in front of your house. Van, creepy guy, bad. That's bad. You got to run. Ladies, you got to run when you see a van and a creepy guy smiling at you creepishly. Creepishly, that's not even a word, okay? That's not Korean. That's not English. That's not Spanish. I don't know what that is. And then he almost forces you into the van, and he drives to West Virginia, and he ties you up, and he starts saying, I love you so much. I love you so much. You have no idea how much I love you, and you're scared out of your mind. And as you, and he's going to drive you into a mountain where there's no one around for miles and miles and miles, and you'll find there's a beautiful house built with your name on it. And in the basement, it's a replica of your house. And you walk in, you find all the clothing that you've been shopping on Macy's or whatnot. And you find your favorite food on the table. And you ask the guy, how did you know? 
because I've been stalking you for the last seven days. And I hacked into your laptop, your MacBook, and I know exactly what you want. I love you, he says. And he walks out and locks the basement door so you can't get out. Ladies, if you're that person, would you feel loved? If you said yes, please get prayer after service. (laughs) We want to pray for you. Really, we do. I think all of us in this room want to pray for you right now. We do. No, why? Because he might give you everything but freedom. Without freedom, there's no love, isn't it? So when you want to love someone or anyone, the freedom enters that equation, freedom enters that equation, therefore, there's always going to be that uncertainty, that fear of failure and rejection in that relationship because love is uncertain. That's the way love operates. So as you love more, you and I will find ourselves humbled. We can't be arrogant because we're like, I I can't control this. I can't handle this. As we love more, but there's always the temptation to control things that we shouldn't be controlling, namely your child. And you say that's love. No, freedom is love. Freedom is love. And sometimes that's what we do about future because future is so uncertain. You want to make sure it's certain. But you and I know we will never get that. It's about trusting God. As you get baptized, you would wish, just like all of us, this will be a glorious moment, great moment for you. For the next 10 years or more, you're like, I'm just going to live holy and sanctify. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to go back to old ways. Let me give you a fact of you know, spiritual life. You will be tempted and you will fail. You will falter. But you'll be okay because His grace is sufficient for you. It's not about living a perfect life. It's about believing and trusting in the one that is perfect. That's the gospel for you. And your church and your family is to love you and just cheer you on and sometimes correct you and guide you. That's what we do. Oh, hey, Jacob. Oh, are you? Yeah, play. We're going to close. I think he's saying we got to close, Pastor. Yeah. I want to read you a verse from Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It says this. The steadfast love love of the Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord. Let's confess that. Would you repeat that after me? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. They are new every morning. His great faithfulness is for you and it's new for you every day in this evening. Let it renew you despite your and my failures in many ways. He loves you. He can restore you. Come find him. Let's pray. Father, we renounce and break fear of failure and rejection in this room in the name of Jesus Christ. And in that place, faith to come. Let love come to rule over fear. Let the gospel come to overcome every fear that is in our hearts. Renew us and empower us anew. Bless all of us with faith. You watermark of faith. It is in your name I pray.